Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. All right, as you drift back in, um, we'll do some some book type stuff. Can I start with your book? This is Pigs in the Parlor, a practical guide to deliverance. This is how you can pray for like uh, anybody, but it'll tell you like children and and maybe family members. This is not. Um, you don't have to get in their face and, you know, um, uh, to kick demons out. You'll be really happy to know that demons aren't deaf. Oh, boy. That's great. <laughs> An example of childlike faith. Sunday school teacher's not going to be upset with me, right? Oh, good. She's in the building. Anyway, uh, in this book, um, it'll tell you how to how to how to pray for deliverance for other people. You know, uh, like an unruly, out of control child. You know, you just hold them, and you just speak over them in a real soft tone of voice, and they don't even have to be awake. They can be asleep. Matter of fact, I would tell most people if you're going to do this, uh, let the let them sleep because you don't want to freak them out. But what's really neat in this book. Uh, is it it does common groupings of demons demons run in in groups and you can find the strong man say insecurity and and insecurity would be the strong man and other things that would go with it would be self-pity loneliness timidity shyness inadequacy uh, and so those would run depression despair despondency discouragement defeatism dejection Hopelessness, suicide, death, insomnia, morbid, uh, being morbid. Okay, great book. Yes, sir. What do I think? I think that there they are. Um, you know, it talks about in the Bible where a, a third of the heavenly realm fell when Satan was kicked out of heaven. And it never really says that, uh, it never really talks about a third of the angels. It talks about stars. And, and, and in different teachings, it says those stars, those are stars were angels. In different commentaries of the Bible, those stars were the angels. A third of the heavenly realm fell with Satan. Those who followed Satan and not and not, and not Jesus, um, are these these little? No, that's Hollywood. Okay, um, there's a hierarchy to to the demonic realm. You know, you have regional type stuff. I don't go there. I am not equipped. I am not. I just don't go there. You know, over. Um, and you would know better than I. Is there? Is there a heaviness over Laramie? Uh, Laramie? Is there, you know, I, there's one I know over Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. And what that would look like to me is that churches just don't want to do things together. Okay? 
it, and 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 the other thing that the other thing that would tell me about that about that or that people go from church to church to church a spirit of offense runs rampant a spirit of offense is running rapid in the United States today you know what oh my gosh if you get offended about something you're either going to get sued or shot you know um so you know there's there's the, there's regional and then there's other, you know and then it just keeps coming down the things that we deal with you know we are an uh, interpersonal ministry we deal with one on one um uh, and and I don't go out looking for what's going on over the entire city I'm I'm, I'm just not there yet um you know that real um uh, spirit of Liberalism, humanism, okay. The things that, but anyway, um, you know, we deal with the stuff that, that happens every day. Every day. I mean, the spirit of offense, the spirit of rejection, the spirit of abandonment, um, frustration, strife, stress, fear, trauma, um, addiction, rebellion, Trying to think of all these off the top of my head. Um, Self pity, uh, spirit of anger, a spirit of hate, a spirit of death, spirit of suicide. All those things are spirits. All they're all demons, and it's, it, to some degree or another, some, each one of us deals with something in in that pool, um, and and. Basically, what we wanted to do is we, the, and the Bible says, we tell them to get out. We kick them out in Jesus' name. It's all faith. There's no, there's no, there's no magic about it. There's no, there's no formula. There's nothing. Boom, we'll take it. You'll kick it out. Tell it to go. And they have to go. And I don't know if, if you've ever struggled with a certain thing at a certain time for any length of time, but if you are persistent and you are consistent, and even if you said nothing else other than the name of Jesus, the word tells us that they either have to submit, which is kneel, and submit to the Lord, or they have to flee. Well, they're not going to submit. They want out. Okay, We, we need to get to a, a place where they see us coming, and they just leave. I don't want to deal with them. I know what they're going to do. You know, da-da-da-da-da. I'm not, you know, I, I'm just there. That's, you know, I wish I was at that point. I do know that that uh, we have struggled with different things that have manifested. I can give you an example. This girl came in. Uh, she thought vampires were cool. Okay? And so, you know, they, they dealt this vampire thing when they were in school. And she got to high school and you know, she found other like-minded, vampire-type, interesting, and it just kept graduating. She went to college, it got more intense. Then she moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello! <laughs> Whole new level. I mean, these people are very intense. About, I mean, you've got people um, doing wild, crazy things. Well, then her family started to being physically abused. Nobody was there. Bruises were showing up. Cuts were showing up. She put the two together. She goes, this has got to stop. So she comes to us. 
I didn't know at the time on a Monday night that this was a deliverance type of thing, or I wouldn't have done it. I would have scheduled a different time. But we're into this thing now a half hour, and it's just, it's just full bore, and we're not getting anywhere. But what, what is happening is the physical manifestation, the problems are moving. You know, first it was her back, then it was her stomach, then it was her side, and then it was this, and then it was that. And it's like, okay, I know this is spiritual now because it keeps trying to evade us. And this is going on way too long. And I said, Lord, what's going on? And I am smart enough to do that where this is taking way longer than it should. So what I will do is I will let my team minister and I will go over and I will stand in another part of the room and go, Lord, okay, Lord, tell me what's happening. And I stand there and listen. And at this particular case, the Lord goes, it's a lying spirit. Why are you messing with this? You know, like, come on, you're smarter than this, Tom. Pull it out. And so I said, okay. So I come back and I said, okay, lying spirit, boom, you're gone. I command you to leave now in the name of Jesus. And this woman just started screaming. You know what? And, and making all this big scene. And I go, you're done. Lying spirit, you're done. Get out. And so then I just, you know, I told my team, I said, we're just going to praise. I just want you to praise. If you got a song, sing a song. We're just going to praise and thank the Lord. And this, this lady curled up in a ball and fell on the floor and it was done. Okay, so you always want to be listening. You always want to be listening to what's going on. That's why it's so awesome to, to pray in teams because you may be a hearer you may be a seer, you may be a feeler, and you can sense and you can see what's going on. We prayed for a lady one time, and, and I had a, 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 prof, a, a prophetic person on my team who could see things, would get pictures, and she saw a band around this, this woman's head. This woman was struggling with headaches. And so prophetically, we cut the band. Some people see, uh, it's called like a python spirit. Okay, which is squeezing you, it's constricting you know, and we command the python spirit to get out. If you're not used to this stuff, it'll stretch you. You know what? And, and I had a guy ask me a few weeks ago, is this for real? And I go, yeah, I hate to tell you it, but it's for real. This stuff happens. And, um, but that's where the prophetic and, and the healing come together. You learn to listen to the voice of God and what he's telling you. Another story was that we had a woman that was eight months pregnant, seven months pregnant, come in, and she wanted help to quit smoking. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. You're smoking, and you're this far along. And, but, you know, when we prayed for her, I, I just I had a feeling that smoking wasn't the issue here. You know, and so again, I, I, let, the team, I let the team pray, and I, I went over and sat down, and I said, Lord, what's going on? Because I know it's not smoking. And he goes, you need to tell her she's in sin. I go, nope, I'm not going to do it. You know what? She goes, no, you need, you need to go tell her she's in sin. And I said, Lord, she doesn't know me. I don't know her. I'm not saying that. And, and, then, and then the Lord goes, you remember the woman at the well? I go, yeah, Lord, you, you asked for a drink gave you a drink, you said that the man she was with was not her husband, and that she had been with several. Boom. There's the issue. This baby 
There's, it's not her husband's baby. So, okay, here I go. I go back in front of the, 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 the woman sitting there, and I go, you know, the Lord wants me to tell you something. And I go, you know, don't me, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but I'm gonna, I gotta, you know, say what He wants me to say. And He goes, the Lord wants me to tell you that you're in sin. And she goes, oh, I know. And I go, you know? And then I go, I go, this baby's not your husband's, is it? And she just looked at me, and her eyes got really wide. And she goes, no. She goes, it's not. She goes, my husband and I are two weeks away from our divorce being filed, and this is my future fiance. I go, okay. I go, well, the issue is, because I'm still listening to what the Lord is telling me, the issue is, is that you've been with a lot of men. And you've been with a lot of men since you were really young, since you were like 12. And you have gone from bed to bed to bed looking for love and, and security that your dad never gave you. Your dad was very hard on you. And she's just looking at me, who told you that? Who told you that? And I'm going, the Lord's telling me this. And the issue was not smoking, although we prayed, we, you know, we prayed that she would stop smoking. The issue was with, the, you know, and then ultimately we ended up with, the Lord loves you. The Lord really loves you. And that's what's going to fill this hole that you're trying to fill with all these different men. You know, and don't run the Lord through your earthly father's filter because he loves you more than that. Okay, so two things going on. You know, you've got you've got the prophetic going on. You're listening. You're hearing God's voice because there's no way I would come up with that on my own. I'm sorry, I am just not that good. You've got a deliverance thing that wants to go on, and you've got an inner healing thing that wants to go on all at the same time. The cool thing is, is that you work with teams, and each person on our team has a different gifting than you, and it, that's how it works. And it's just. It's, it's amazing. It's just awesome to see the power of God move in that. You know? Anyway. Um, so that's deliverance. And that's what deliverance can look like. And that's what healing looks like. And that's what the prophetic looks like. And in our prophetic, it's always exhortation, edification, and... What's the other one? And what? Comfort, yeah. And I know you're not supposed to bring up past hurts and past pains and things like that, but I do. Because I, because I want them to know that the Lord knows. I want them to know, for a very short time I do that, that the Lord was there and he saw what happened. And I, he wants you to know that you were protected and that you were loved and that things are not going to be the same now. Things are going to be different. Because his love is going to flow in. His power is going to flow in. His grace is going to flow in. All right? So that's what, uh, that's, that's what deliverance and all that stuff looks like, wrapped up. I've got some books. Back there we have Healing Rooms, How to Minister to Specific Diseases. And you can open this book and you can look up a disease. Um, a chronic Fatigue Syndrome. The root cause, look for a poor self-image, self-rejection, self-hatred, and guilt. Unworthiness from the fear of not measuring up to others' expectations and, not and 
from receiving judgments others have spoken. No vision or direction, poorly functioning, and or damaged immune system can result in poor nutrition. That's the, that's the root cause. And then you get into the scriptures that deal with exactly that. Then you can get into the, me the medical terms. CFS is diagnosed uh, two or four times or more in women than in men. It involves an autoimmune system uh, and can create helplessness, hopelessness, clinical depression, anxiety, tiredness that is unending to the point of controlling or dictating a lifestyle. And then the ministry asks the Holy Spirit to reveal the root of bitterness from judgment, self-rejection, especially from expectations of family, release the expectation judgments, break any word curses, command the infection to die, ask for healing of the autoimmune system. This book's full of this stuff. And you want a super-duper uh, big one? There's one back there by Henry Wright. And, and this probably came out of some of Henry Wright's stuff, but this is what they've seen over you know, 20 years or so, 25 years of healing people. We talked about, with some of the people, we talked about the Father's blessing and the Mother's blessing. And that's in this book. We talked about soul ties. That's in this book. Uh, soul ties is also in your, in your syllabus that, that you have in your hands. Here's a great little book by Rodney Hogue. He's a pastor out in San Francisco who uh, wrote a book on forgiveness. The thing I like about books like this is they're really small, they're not intimidating, they're a fast read, and they carry a huge punch. This is a great book. We talked about John G. Lake, Living in God's Power. We have several of John G. Lake's books. Um, just an amazing testimony of what he did and what he saw, what he was a part of, not only in Africa, but in Spokane. In Spokane, if you took this class from John G. Lake, if you wanted to graduate from this class, you had to go out and, and pray for somebody that received the healing and brought them back in and proved it to John G. Lake, and then he'd graduate you from the class. This is a book, If It Be Thy Will. It's written by uh, Dave Arntz, and Dave is on our team at the healing rooms. And um, he's an amazing man. I mean, the, the, he knows more scripture than... Anybody I know, he can whip out his phone, go to Bible.com or whatever it is, and within less than 30 seconds, he can tell you what, where it's at, and he'll read it to you. Dave has written this uh, book, If It Be Thy Will, and, and this is an awesome book full of scriptures. What I liked about this book is he put scriptures in a light that I had not seen before, and, and it, was, it was a really fun read. Dave has also sent, uh, I believe I have... 15 copies of this book that's yours for free if you want it. Okay? This book is yours. Thanks to Dave. Blessing your spirit. Daily blessing your spirit. This is real non-intimidating because it's so small. What this is is, uh, is a book on how to bless yourself and bless others. And it's 40 days worth of blessings. And you just insert your name and it's just a little paragraph. I don't know how many hundreds of books that we have sold of this. And you just take it home and you just read it out loud. And, and you read it a couple of times a day. You read it over, over your family. And then there's a, there's a bigger book of the same thing. It's more in depth. It's written by um, Sylvia Gunther and Arthur Burke. And, 
and it's amazing knowing the peace of Jesus. And basically what they're doing is they're telling you, you know what? Your spirit has a legitimate right to look into the face of God and receive the downloads that you need for things in your body. Okay? And, and, um, and how to bless people. And again, it's not blessing people with, it's not blessing people with money, although um, a lot of people would accept money. But a lot of it is just blessing them with your words. You know, we, we bless people. We tell, them, we tell them how amazing they are, how smart they are. All those things that I've done earlier. We tell them that, that things that the Lord, you know, um, shares with us. Like last night, that you were a hard worker. And you worked hard for a long, long time. And... And the Lord's proud of you for all that you've done. Okay? Now, I wouldn't know that because I don't know you. That you're a man of integrity. Um, you're a leader, although sometimes you don't want to be a leader. You would rather, you would rather be uh, in the shadows. And you're a, you're a great supporter. You're an armor bearer. Like King David had Jonathan. That's who you are. You don't want any credit, but you're an amazing man of God. People listen to what you say. You have a lot of wisdom. And so you speak things like that to people. And, and there's no way that I would know that, but God knows that. And again, it, it's, it's just something of listening to God's voice as you're speaking. And it just comes through. It just flows through. Okay? Um, the blessing is something that our culture has lost. The Jewish people still do it. It's real important to them. You know, bar mitzvahs and things like that. And, and you know, becoming a man, becoming a young woman um, is, is extremely important. But the things like people of uh, my generation, the baby boomers, you know what? We didn't get that from our folks. They loved us, most of them, but others didn't love us. And they were, they were uh, mean because their fathers were mean to them because they came out of the Great Depression. And I bet if you went back and asked a lot of those kids that are adults now, they didn't want more stuff. You know, they didn't, they didn't want brand new toys. They didn't want anything like that, but they sure would have loved more time with their mom or their dad. But their mom or their dad had to go out and work two or three jobs just to make ends meet, so they weren't out on the street. Okay? They missed that time of growing up. And, and so that's where the hardness came in, and that hardness went down to the next generation. My, my dad and my mom. You know, you work hard, you keep your nose to the grindstone, and you keep moving, and and you do this, and and da 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 da. But I never got a blessing. You know, I loved my dad. My dad was a, a great guy, and there was nothing I loved more than to give my dad uh, a hard time in a very fun way. Like when my dad wore shorts in the summertime, I'd go up behind him and I'd slide his socks down. That's how I gave my dad a hard time. But I remember my dad, go, you know, uh, countless times. You know, he would say, "You damn fool," 
And then he would ask me questions like, how much would you charge to haunt a house? And I go, well, it depends on how many rooms there are. <laughs> you know? I didn't realize the spiritual kind of, you know, what it meant, all that. And I didn't let it get to me. I wasn't there. I was just a kid. But some of us were, were uh, abused physically, mentally, sexually, verbally. And we didn't get that blessing. And so we carry that stuff all of our lives. And you don't have to carry that stuff all of your life. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. That's not what Jesus says about you. And it almost becomes like a curse. It's not a blessing. Because they didn't bless you. They didn't know how. Because they weren't blessed. Satan has systematically stolen it out of our culture for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. How to bless people. You know, and again, it's all with our words. We've done all this damage with our words, the power of our words. You know, we've lost the we lost the art of blessing. Thank you, thank you for cleaning the house. Thank you for making dinner. Thank you for doing laundry. Thank you for going to work. Thank you for being awesome and fun. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your smile. I needed that today. Thank you for your kindness and your compassion and your understanding. Thank you for your wisdom. You can do a lot of good with thank you and a smile. Oh my gosh. You can wipe out a lot of pain. And then you mix the prophetic with it and you start to pour in and you start to plant seeds with your words. You are a blessing. You are a joy. You are not a disappointment. You never have been a disappointment. Okay? You're not disgusting. You're none of that stuff. You are a blessing. Excuse me. Okay? We good? Who here hasn't gotten a Father's blessing? You want one? Why don't you come on? You want to come up front? Okay. We'll just stand over here. Okay. What's your name? Barbara. No way. Can I have your hands? Sure. Just okay, just relax. Okay? And give me a minute. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for Barbara. Lord, I'm thankful that she's here today, that she took time out of her schedule. And Lord, I know that you have something for her. And I know that she's never received the Father's blessing because she said that. So I want to do that. If I was your dad, I would say, forgive me. I'm sorry for all the things that I said and all the things that I didn't say. I would say, forgive me for all the things that I did and all the things that I didn't do. And despite all of that, you have turned out amazing. You are such a joy. You were so fun. I used to watch you dance and twirl when you were out in the yard. Bright sunny day, you're out there just being you. And you were everywhere. But I was always proud of you. I always loved you and I didn't always show you that, but that's the truth. I never told you enough how much I loved you and appreciated you but you have turned out to be an amazing woman. 
and I'm so proud. You are a blessing, and you brought me great joy. And you need to know that. And I didn't know really how to pray for your family. But you did a great job. You were a great mom. You were a great wife. And I should have prayed for a godly husband. And I should have prayed for my grandchildren, but I didn't do it. And I ask you not to run not to run the love of God through the earthly filter that I put up because he loves you so much more. I bless you to be amazing. I bless you to be fun. I bless you to be creative. I want you to dance again. I want you to twirl. I want you to be as light as a feather. I bless your finances. Even at this age, I bless your finances that you would have a season of more than enough and no more seasons of just enough. You may do with very little for a long, long time. And I ask the Lord to give you all that you deserve and more. That you would have His favor on your life. I bless you to be healthy and smart because you are loved. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You're welcome. You're a pretty special lady. Do we have Kleenex? Okay. Look at you. You carry a box with you? That's a father's blessing. A mother's blessing would be a lot like that. Okay? There's tremendous healing in a blessing like that. Tremendous joy. A tremendous release. And we can do that. And we do do that. Any questions about the power of your words? Any question about how to bless somebody or why to bless somebody? That you are a blessing. And the blessing that we read that came down from Abraham and Jacob is your blessing. Don't walk around defeated. I said last night, you are a temple. You are, you are a vessel of the living God. When you walk into a room... The atmosphere should change. And it's, it's not being arrogant. And it's not being post, postal. It's not being um, that other word I was thinking of. It's just knowing your authority. It's just knowing who you are in Christ. You need to realize that when you pray for somebody and you, you say, in the name of Jesus, you have just released a, a, a legion of angels to go and do the will of God in that person's life that you are backed up by that type of thing. You know, I, I, I drive up here to Cheyenne, and, and it's like, oh, you know, you've been praying all week. You've been looking forward to this. Kim sent out all these emails. She's called people. She's done all this stuff. It's like, oh, no pressure on me. <laughs> and there is no pressure on me, but I know that I know my authority. And, and I know that, that my dad... My Father in heaven is backing me up. And whatever I say, in accordance with his will, so be it. It's done. That's why I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I know. And I know that I know that I know that. Okay? Any questions?
If that's something that you want, uh, you know, and something that you want to experience, uh, let me know, and, and I, I'm more than willing to do that for you. Stand in for your, for your parents or whoever. Okay? I don't have a page number. Page 29, I think on the top it says um, the cross. All right. I want to draw a picture for you. And you can probably, you could draw this too if you want it. In dealing with all this, what has happened is the cross started too high, has been split down the middle. Like this. And on the one side of this cross, we have salvation. Something like that. And on this side, we have healing. And like I said, for generations, for centuries, we've tried to get salvation across it. Jesus accomplished salvation, restoration, bringing us back into right relationship with the Father. And we pretty much have salvation down. But it was also for healing. Because Jesus' blood, when he bled on that cross, his blood covered both sides of that. That cross should have never been split down the middle. And it has been. The word here, the word used here is sozo. In Strong's reference, it, the word sozo is used to convey saved, salvation, make whole, and healed. We contend for salvation. We contend for healing today. We contend for, for salvation all the time. You know, Pastor Jay gives a great message on Sunday morning and, and it touches a lot of hearts and people want to come down and give their life to the Lord for the first time or they want to come down and rededicate their lives. And so they come down and we pray with them. You know, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I renounce Satan. I want you to come live in my heart. I ask for your forgiveness. We heard them say that prayer. Boom, they're all good. We teach them the secret handshake, and they're in. We know they're going to heaven. I lied about the secret handshake. We know, we know, we know. We heard them say that. We know we heard them say it with, with feeling, and they meant it, okay? So now the same people, different people, come down to the same altar the same platform, whatever, and, <clears throat> and they have cancer. And now we have to pray for cancer. Same cross, same blood, but for some reason now we went from a no-so faith to a hope-so faith. Oh, I hope they get healed. Oh, I hope God moves. You know, why? It's the same thing. Why is that? Why is it harder to believe that somebody is actually going to go to heaven as opposed to somebody's going to be healed? Because we don't see it all the time? I don't know. You know, I took a big risk last night. I stepped way out on a limb, praying for this guy in a sling. <laughs> and you know what? Not once did I ever think, oh Lord, what if this doesn't go? What if this? It didn't even cross my mind. 
I just felt like I was supposed to go do it, and look what happened. He's not wearing his sling today. And two other people in the in the row got touched. That's a good day. I'm calling it. We'll see you later. The cross is a place of love and compassion. It's a complete. It's a place of sorrow and death. Sadness. We hear people take your take your stuff to the cross, nail it to the cross, leave it at the cross. And that's fine and dandy. And I would never, ever, ever, ever shortchange anything that was done at the cross. Because Jesus paid a very high price so we could be here today. But he never intended us to intended for us to stay at the cross. We were to walk through that cross and to live in the power and resurrection power that he wanted for us. He gave us back all the keys. He gave us back all the dominion. He restored us to a right relationship with the Lord. He's given us all this stuff. <laughs> when you ask Jesus into your life, you got the whole enchilada. You got all of his love, all of his compassion, all of his understanding, all of his wisdom. It says we are to grow up in, into the mind of Christ. We have all that. It's in you. And what we want to do today is turn it on and let it out. The Holy Spirit is already in you. You want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Ask for it. It's there. All you got to do is turn it on. You know, the problem is, is we don't let it out. We need to let it out. You get words all the time. You prophesy all the time, and you probably don't even realize it. And, um, and we, you know, we, we're on our way to work, and we're listening to our favorite worship CD, or we got... Uh, K-Love or some other Christian radio station cranked up and we get out of the car to go into work and we leave the Holy Spirit sitting in the car. No, 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 no. You're not sitting in the car all day listening to this. If I don't get to, you don't get to. You're coming in there with me. I need you more in there than you out here protecting my car. Come on, Holy Spirit, we're going to work. And then you take him inside and you let it out by living like he would want you to. I work with a guy, when I first went into this department, this guy was going through an ugly divorce, and, just, and at the same time, a month or so earlier, he found out that he had MS. This guy was angry. You know, and it's like, oh, Lord, what did you put me in here for? Well, I knew what he put me in there for. You know, this guy, you know, um, nobody could work with this guy. Nobody wanted to work with this guy. This was my new assignment that I didn't ask for, by the way. They gave to me. And you know what? I just started smiling at this guy, and I just started working with this guy, and I kept telling him that, you know what, that he was really smart and that he had a lot to offer, that, that MS was not going to take him down. And I did it in a subtle way because he, he said to me, I know you're religious. <laughs> and I go, oh, darn, you found out about me. And I said, you know what? It's there. If you ever want to talk about it, it's there. But I will never, ever bring it up to you. Okay? We do this ministry on Monday nights. We pray for healing. I can't stay past 3.30 on Monday nights. But if you ever want to, I'm here for you. But after a year, and it took almost a year, of just living the way and acting the way at work that Jesus would want me to, and I'm going to say 99% of the time that I wore this guy down. And he is so different 
I've been with him now for, for three years, and he is not the same person. He still struggles with MS, but the anger is gone. The frustration is gone. Um, he asked me one time, he got real mad at me one day, and he used to fire me at least two or three times a week. But he asked me one day, he goes, do you have to smile about everything? And I said, well, yeah, if I don't smile at everything, I'll probably cry, you know. Um, but that kindness just comes out. That's just who I am, you know. So any questions about your words, the power of your words, the power of the blessing? I dare you to go out and bless somebody today. You know, go to the store wherever you are and just smile at people. And so what if they think you're crazy? You will never, ever, ever have more faith in the world than when you're at the grocery store and you're going down the aisle and Jesus says, I want you to pray for that guy over there. And you're, No, Lord, we're in a grocery store. We ain't doing that. No, I want you to go pray for him. He's struggling. And you have to make a decision whether you're going to let go of that death grip you now have on your grocery cart because you don't want to go over there or you're going to let go and you're going to go bless him. And all he wants is words. He doesn't want any money. He doesn't want any of that stuff. He doesn't want you to buy the groceries. He wants, he just wants you to tell him that they're loved. That's faith. And if you don't do it, you're going to run into him in the next aisle. You know you are. <laughs> and if you don't do it in the next aisle, there's like 15 other aisles to go. <laughs> You're going to see this person again. You might as well just give up and do it. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting what God has for them. And it may be because they're angry. If you ultimately don't do it, God will bring somebody else. But you will be disappointed that you didn't. If you do it, oh man, you are going to walk on clouds the rest of the day to think that you were obedient and you overcame fear and you released what God had for them. And you don't even know what it was, but you released it. Go ahead. Um, last summer I was dealing with a business person in my area who was not taking the position that she wanted to take. And of course, my question was, do you have the support to get help? She said, I do not want to say that. So I've walked in every single week for about three weeks and I've never had a client that wanted help. And I just keep going and going and going to her. And one day I was going in and she's saying, you know, she's just been so kind to me. And that day the Lord true i hang out with some pretty fun people and and what they've taught me is you know you go to a checkout stand at a grocery store and you can tell that the person is having a tough day and they you know 
is it okay if I pray for you? And they think, oh yeah, sure, no problem, that you're going to go home and you're going to get in your prayer closet and you're going to pray for them. They do not expect you to do it right then and right there. And it doesn't take very long. And they're shocked, but they're so blessed at the same time. We used to go to a Cracker Barrel restaurant in Loveland every Friday night for a long time. Long, long time. And we had this waitress who was a little older, <clears throat> more mature. And, you know, waiting tables at that age is probably most, not the most fun thing in the world to do. And she was the kind of waitress when we first got her, she would come to the table and basically just drop the menus on the table and walk away, come back and, what do you want to drink? <laughs> you know, real cheery. And, and um, I mean, she was just kind of, you ask her for something, and it was just like you're putting her way out, like she's got to run over to the grocery store and buy it herself, which she never did. But anyway, um, I don't know if we just had done a class not too long before that or whatever, but she came to the table, and, I, and I'm, I'm smiling at her. And I go, hey, how are you tonight? You know, and fine. You, what do you want to drink? And before... You know, I said what I wanted to drink. I go, did you have your nails done? And because her nails were like all polished and looked nice. And I mean, this was before they put all the little decorations and stuff on them. I go, D your nails are amazing. They look so good. And then she just looked like, looked at her hand and then kind of like put her hand away. She wanted to be grumpy. <laughs> and she goes, oh, no, I didn't. I go, well, I go, they look good, you know. And so, you know, we got our food, we ate, we left, we come back a week later, and, and or maybe it was two weeks later, and, and she, it was same waitress. It was like God always made sure we had this waitress. <laughs> and, you know, she dropped the menus off, and what do you want to drink? And, and did you have your hair done? Did you go to the beauty parlor this week? I mean, how did you do, how do you wait tables and every hair is in place all the time? I go, you're looking good. You know, and it just, you know, and and I wore this lady down. But not only did we just compliment her about how nice she was and what a great job she was doing, even maybe when she didn't do a great job, we also tipped her very well, okay? And it got to a point where this lady saw us come in the door. We ate a Cracker Barrel for years. Friday night, and there's not that much stuff on the menu. But we went for the fellowship, not the food. We would come in, and this lady would say, I want them in my section. I want them in my section. And so we would get, and then it would got to know where, you know, if one of us wasn't there, well, hey, where's so-and-so? And, well, they're on vacation, and, and they did this, and, and um, you know, and it's like, hey, where were you last week? Well, I got to go see my daughter in Minnesota, and, you know, and we, just, we just got to know each other. And we just kept telling her, you know, thank you for the good service. Thank you for... And all of a sudden now, it wasn't a problem to get, you know, uh, biscuits right away. Or it wasn't a problem to get jelly right away. It wasn't a problem to get drinks. I mean, we had refills on drinks before you even was halfway done with the glass. We made a, an amazing relationship. And we saw a transformation just because we were kind. And we smiled. And we complimented. And she told us one day... Uh, after a year or two, that she was going to retire. And I went, good for you. We're going to find another place. We're not coming back here anymore if you're not going to be here, you know. And, and good for you. And the people that were in our group, because we went with the same group of people, you know, uh, 
bought flowers and cards, bought her a dozen roses, and you would have thought we had given her a billion dollars. You know, nobody ever, ever had done that. And, and so we just blessed her. And she took it back, and she put it back in their waitress area, and it just really touched her deeply that some customers would come in, and, and we literally just poured into her, built her up through the power of our words. You know, somebody that's having a rough day. It was fun. It was a good time. Roadblocks to healing. Page 33. Some people don't want to talk about roadblocks to healing because God is awesome and God's amazing and he can do whatever he wants when any time he wants. And I'm all for that. God, if you want to move, you know, if you want to take today's and just go a whole different direction, you know, I'll probably feel bad about it, but go ahead, Lord, you can do whatever you want. Some people, hey, Papa Murphy's is selling, no. <laughs> Why did that be? Anyway, roadblocks to healing. People don't want to talk about it because God can do what he wants to do anytime he wants to do it. But I believe, like I shared last night, there are some things that the Lord wants to take care of. And so, um, and so, Number one, roadblock to healing would be unforgiveness. Would somebody please read Mark eleven twenty two through 24? Amen. And people love that scripture, and they will rely on that scripture a lot. But they don't necessarily read the next scripture. Would somebody read the next one, please? Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, Whoa. Yeah, see, people don't, read, don't, people don't read that scripture. Wow. Stand, pray, and forgive. You must forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so your Father will forgive your trespasses. Man, what if God didn't forgive us from our trespasses? <laughs> we would be in so much trouble. Read somebody read Colossians thirteen or three thirteen, please. You must forgive others. That, there's no option there. You must forgive them. You know that person that sat to you or sitting next to you right now. How many times that they have made you mad or angry? Or offended you? Hey, you did the same to them. You got to forgive them. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew 6, 14, 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. Oh man, you ought to, make, you ought to spend all day forgiving those people. 
Ephesians 4, 31, 32, if somebody would read that. Amen. You know, unforgiveness uh, is huge. And the Lord gave me a picture several years ago of a spider web. And if you know anything about spiders, that's where they live, but that's also how they catch their food. And the more that something lands in that spider web and the more that they struggle to get away, the more entangled they get. Unforgiveness is the same thing. You know, you get caught in unforgiveness and you refuse to forgive you're going to get tangled up. And the question is, and I think we've already talked some about this, is what comes off of unforgiveness? What? Bitterness. What else? Hard heart. What else? Anger. What else? Hmm? Resentment? Hatred? Something like that. All that stuff is just from unforgiveness. And you can keep going, even to the point of death. We had a lady come into the healing rooms, a sweet lady, older woman, all bent over. More, not, I'm bending at the waist, but this lady actually arched almost like a candy cane. And she was on antidepressants for 15 years. And in our interview with her, when did this happen? When did this start? 15 years ago. Well, what happened 15 years ago? And she thought for a minute. She goes, I had a fight with my sister. I hate my sister. I wish my sister would die, fall off the face of the earth. I can't stand her. She, the things that she's done and da 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 I said, okay, well, it's pretty obvious what we need to pray here. We need to pray for forgiveness. But nobody has more power or authority over your body than you do. So you need to forgive your sister. You're crazy. <laughs> I'm not forgetting my, forgiving my sister. You have no idea what she said to me. You have no idea what she's done. And I said, you're right, I don't. But what I do know, I know that you're standing in front of me and you're bent over so far you can't even see the sun and you're on antidepressant medicines for 15 years. You need to forgive your sister. No, I won't do it. Oh yeah, you really need to. So after about 15, 20 minutes, she decided to forgive her sister. And then, and then I go, well, that's good. That's a really good start, but now we need to bless her. You're nuts. You're lucky I got her to say, or you're lucky that I forgave her. I go, no, let's just seal the deal. Let's, let's, let's bless her. Let's bless her home and her finances and her family, and let's bless her health. And, you know, we helped her through it because she wasn't going to come up with it on her own. And, and I don't even know if her heart was in it 100%. Well, I know it wasn't in it 100%. <laughs> but she did it. And then... 
we prayed for her and we released her. And she came back two weeks later. And she wasn't completely straight up, but she was more at a 45 degree than she was like a candy cane. And unbeknownst to us, she took herself off of her antidepressant medicine. And she's doing amazing. And when I heard she took herself off her antidepressant medicine, I got, came unglued. No, 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 no. You don't do that. Okay, you go back to the doctor and you have him take you off of that. You have him confirm what happened to you. I would never ever tell anybody to quit taking your medicine. Now John G. Lake would say, take your medicine right now, go back to the bathroom, throw it in the toilet, and apologize to the toilet. Okay? That stuff is garbage, and it's going to kill you. I'm not there yet. This lady took herself off her antidepressant medicine, and she's been happy for two weeks. And I, and I said, so why are you back? She goes, I want the rest of it. I'm not standing straight up yet. Yeah. And I said, okay. You know, so she came back. We prayed for her. And you know what? I have shared that testimony for, I bet, nine years now. Because she was there in our first year. And um, I saw her about four years ago. She came into the healing rooms. And I didn't recognize her. She was standing straight up. She still does not take her antidepressant medicine. She is just filled with joy. And she is back ministering in the church, helping with, I think, children's ministry or something like that. And you know what? It's all from unforgiveness. Another really quick one about unforgiveness. This woman came in and could hardly move, and it was like all of her nerves were firing all the time. She was in pain constantly, all the time. This woman was in so much pain that she actually shaved her head because the weight of her hair hurt. Okay, it just kept getting shorter and shorter, and finally she just shaved it. She was starting to get open sores on, on her body. How long has this been going on? Well, I lost my job a year ago because I couldn't work, and I just there's nothing I can do to get relief. The doctors don't know what to do. And I almost get excited when I hear the doctors don't know what to do because then it's God's time. Okay. I go, so what happened? No, no, that's not what happened. So I'm praying for this lady, and you know, I'm standing in front of her just like this, and I feel my prayers go out about this far and just fall to the ground. So I back off. Lord, what's going on? You know, she's angry. She's really angry. So I come back to her and I said, Why are you so angry? Who are you angry at? And she goes, my ex-husband, I hate him. He has drugged me through court. He has cost me money. I hate him. I wish he would just, again, just die. Just go away. I can't stand a man. I never want to see him again. Man, this woman was brutal. <laughs> of course me. You got to forgive him. You're nuts. I hear that a lot. You have no idea what he has said to me, what he's done to me, what he tells our kids about me. And I said, no, I don't, you know, but we need to forgive him. And after about 15, 20 minutes of coaxing this woman to forgive her husband, she forgave him. And I go, well, let's now let's bless him. Let's bless his finances. Let's bless his home. Let's bless his new relationship, his new wife. You know what came after that. You're nuts. Let's bless him beyond measure. And she did it. 
So we're standing there, and I go, how do you feel? And she took inventory real quick. You could just see her taking inventory. No pain whatsoever. Pain was completely gone for the first time in years. This woman, it wasn't a room quite this big, but it was close because we were using the basement of this church. This woman started bouncing up and down, crying and screaming and laughing all at the same time, and she was completely pain-free. I said, I would love to go home with you tonight because your husband now is going to get a new wife and your kids are going to get a new mom because of Jesus. And um, it was totally fun. I mean, to, to see that, that was instantaneous. Pain was gone. Doctors didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say, didn't know what to give her, you know, but she forgave as much as she could in her heart. And maybe she only had the faith the size of a mustard seed, but that was more than enough. Okay? To this day, that woman has let her hair grow back out. She went to work, back to work shortly after that. She got her job back, and she still does not have any pain. She is still pain-free. The sores closed up. She is living a natural life because of unforgiveness. It is huge. It's brutal. Another one, doubt and unbelief. Matthew 14, 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt? If somebody would read Matthew 17, 20, please. Okay, there is so much in these two scriptures. The first one, Matthew 14, 31, is when Peter got out of the boat. Okay, it was stormy that night. It was dark. It was in the middle of the night. Uh, they're looking out, wondering what's going on. And they see this, what they thought was a ghost coming across the water. Okay, that's your picture. And he goes, and Peter goes, no, Lord, that's you. If that's you, Lord, call to me and I'll come to you. And he said, Come. So Peter is getting out of the boat. Doesn't say what the guys behind him were saying. Are you nuts? Are you crazy? What do you think you're doing? You know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. You go out there and we, you know, we don't know if we can help you. But he was focused on Jesus. I always thought at that point that Jesus was far off where they could just barely see him. But no, if you read this again, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, and said to him, why did you doubt? So, reading that scripture, it says that Jesus reached out and grabbed his hand. How you doing? Glad you're here. Grabbed his hand. Jesus was this close. Jesus was this close. Peter was focused on Jesus. Okay? As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was on top of the water. But what happened? It was a storm. Maybe there was a flash of lightning over here, over there, or thunder. Or maybe a gust of wind, or the rain picked up a little bit. Or maybe the water splashed up on his tunic a little more than he anticipated. And even though he was face-to-face -face with Jesus, he got caught, got caught up in what's out here. And he took his eyes off of Jesus. And he started to sink. 
he started to sink. He didn't go, he was underwater. He started to sink. It was a slow deal. He got caught up in this, and he slowly got, was starting to go down. And Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. That's huge. How, how much do we get caught up into that? This is so relevant to what we deal with today. I told you about my bone spur when I was teaching classes and I got focused on my pain instead of what, instead of what God was doing. We get focused on, on, on what's not happening as opposed to what is happening. We want, this, we want this city and this region to catch on fire with the love of God and, and that healing would be a number one uh, ministry to bring the lost back to the Lord. We focus on all these people that are driving by have no clue that we're up here having a party. It's going to change. We're going to start to speak it out. It's coming. It's coming. This building is not big enough to hold the people that are coming. But I know a grocery store in Loveland that we could do. Why is it that we think we have to have the faith the size of a mountain to move a mustard seed? Instead of a mustard seed side of faith to move a mountain. We are so convinced that it would take all of us in here to have one person healed, one person touched by God, and it's not that at all, it's just a word. It's just a word. That's all it is in due season. Number three, a lack of knowledge. We read this a little bit, or one of these last night. Isaiah 5, 13 and 14. If somebody would read that, please. Okay, and Hosea 5, or 4, 6 and 7. If somebody would read that. Okay. We live in a microwave society. We live in a throwaway society. If we can't have it right now, right now, we don't want it. Okay? People are in the body of Christ and people outside the body of Christ are perishing because of a lack of knowledge. It has nothing to do with faith. I said that last night. It's a lack of knowledge. The church has not done a good job at teaching that healing is for today. It's just as much as for today as it was when Jesus walked the earth. Freedom in the spiritual realm is just as much for today as when Jesus walked the earth. It's a lack of knowledge. People want it handed to them. They don't want to get in their Bible and look and find the treasures and the secrets that the Lord has put there just for them. In your Bible, your Bible, there is, there's, there's treasure. There's healing. There's prosperity. There's everything you ever need, but you're going to have to sit down with it and open it up and read it and, and get it out. And it's harder than it, it, it seems harder than it really is. Church is so different today. You know, when I, when I grew up in the Catholic Church, um, I mean, to me it was lifeless. There was nothing there. I got through church by making faces at the little kid that turned around in front, you know, in the pew in front of me. 
that was a good time to get that little kid so worked up that he started tugging on his mom, you know, and his mom would look back at me and here was this angel. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with your child. But church today is so much fun. You have a church that's moving in, in power, in might. You have a church that's moving in, in, in letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants. Words of knowledge, uh, healing. People will believe it when they see it. When the word gets out that the vineyard in Cheyenne are seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, that's going to draw people. That's what's going to draw people. We have people in Loveland that I shared last night that drive three, four hours one way to come to the healing rooms. That just blows my mind. We had some people, we had a lady drive one time eight hours from Garden City, Kansas to Loveland, Colorado. And it's like, Honestly, there's nobody between here and there that, that can pray for you. We have people that come up from Denver all the time, Thornton and Wheat Ridge, and it's like the Holy Spirit told me to come here. They drive right by another healing room to come to this one. I don't know why, but I'm glad you're here. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit is in this building that's in the building in Loveland. Same Holy Spirit. It's a lack of knowledge. They don't know that it's still for today. Knowledge brings us up to the present, but it's wisdom that takes us into the future. Fear is another roadblock. What if I pray for them and they don't get healed? What if you pray for them and they do get healed? What have you got to lose? Just do it. Looking for signs and wonders. We're not to follow after signs and wonders. They are to follow after us. A sign just shows us a way to do something. I usually use an example of a, a, an exit sign, but I don't see one here. We can't get out. An exit sign shows you how to get out of the building. You don't actually go through the sign to get out of the, will, out of the building. It just points you to the direction. Healing is the same way. Miracles are the same way. They just point the direction to the Father. They just point you in the direction of Jesus. That's all it does. We're not to follow after them. They're to follow after us. Receiving a healing is one thing. Walking in divine health is another. Expecting God's to heal on our terms. It's, it's like, let's make the deal. Oh, Lord, if you heal me, I'll go to church more than twice a year. You know, I'll tithe 5%. You know, if you heal me, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. Blessings and cursings. Looking to man and not God. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from what is heard, and what heard comes through the word of God. Doctors work in the natural, not in the spiritual realm. Going to the doctor does not measure your faith. Faith does not come from the doctor. Seek God, trust God in your decision, and pray for discernment. Okay? I had Hodgkin's disease. I had cancer. I went to the doctor. I had a major operation. They took out my spleen because it was twice its normal size, full of cancer. And I did chemotherapy every other week for six months. That was the direction that we were thought we were supposed to go. That's what the direction that we were comfortable with. At the end of that six months, you know, um, I had very little side effects other than um, when I first started chemo, I had a mouthful of canker sores. You know, that just, I couldn't hardly drink water. My mouth hurt so bad. 
but I didn't have any of the tingling in my fingers and I didn't have any of the sweats and all that other stuff. Um, I did everything they were supposed to do and I get a call uh, in late October and I had another CAT scan done and they said that the, this cancer had come back with a vengeance, that I had more lumps and that I needed to do chemotherapy all over again and I needed to have a bone marrow transplant. And that was back in the day when that was all experimental. And I would have become the boy in the bubble, basically. Because they would wipe out your immune system so you couldn't be around any germs. And, you know, anybody that came into the room would have to be completely gowned up. And I would have to visit with my family through a glass thing, glass window. At that time, at that time, uh, I had our son and daughter, one was, I think, uh, 10 and 8 or 12 and 10. And we just had another baby. <laughs> that was a surprise. <laughs> and it's like, how is that all going to happen? How is that all going to happen? How is God going to take care of it? That baby, he was taking his morning nap one day, and he woke up screaming, and I ran upstairs, and I said, I'm here, I'm here, Daddy's here, I'll take care of it, I'll take care of it. And I heard the audible voice of God for the first time. And he said, that's what I've been trying to tell you. That's awesome. I couldn't wait for Janet to get home. I heard the audible voice of God. He said he was going to take care of it. I never, had a, I never worried about it after that one bit. I didn't care. He said he was going to take care of it. I didn't think he'd out and out heal me. But, I mean, you know, we had a, back in the day, in, the ni in 1991, we had, you know, a $1,500 a month house payment. You know, I had a job that was, that they didn't like me. <laughs> and um, people would ask me, so how's he doing? I was a Pizza Hut manager is what I was. I worked at the, in Pizza Hut. I was there for a long, long time. I'd seen a lot of families grow up. People would come in and and how's, how's it going? Real sympathetic. How's it going? And, I, and in my mind, I'd say, I have cancer. How do you think it's going? But I go, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. God told me he was going to take care of it. And people go, well, how's he going to do that? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to send cash. I don't know if he's going to write a check. I don't know. You know, this little baby boy that we had was, uh, uh, was a shock. And we had no baby stuff. We had better baby stuff for him than we actually bought for the first two. And, I mean, he took care of God took care of all of that. He took care of all this. And then on February 18th at 10.30 in the morning, 1992, I get this phone call. Blows me away. You're done. It's not there. Um, that's how he took care of it. Went to a meeting. Jana was real big in prophecy, and she would take classes and do all this stuff, and da-da-da-da-da. I went to a banquet with him one time, and the teacher at that time over this school, you know, had me stand up, called me out of a group of people, and he said, you, you will pray for people that have cancer, and you will command that cancer to dry up and be gone in the name of Jesus, and you will see people healed. And it's like, okay, I'll do it. And so that's what I do. When people, when people come in that have cancer, I pray for cancer in the name of Jesus. I command it to die and blow away. 
And so I've stayed true to that word. Sometimes I've seen it. Sometimes I've seen remission. And sometimes I've seen him die. But I do it. Communion. Healing or sickness. Again, this is one of these scriptures that you need to go back and you need to read. Uh, it says 11, 27 through 30. Go back and read like 20 through 35. And you'll get the whole picture. I don't think I'm taking this out of too much context, out of context at all, but they've taught it in different ways. If somebody would read that, please. There's a lot of stuff here too. First off, don't ever stand in judgment of those denominations that take that take communion every week. None of your business. You don't need going there. You think that they're taken flippantly, that it doesn't mean anything, and it's a it's a ritual for them. They believe in it, and and you honor them, you bless them in doing that. Some some people only take communion. Uh, quarterly some people you know church once a year that's none of your business you let that go okay back here what they were doing were people were coming to the communion table in the early church and treating it like an all-you-could-eat buffet <laughs> they were eating all the bread they were drinking all the wine and there was nothing left for the people that would come after them that's what this is is basically all about but then you could go back and you could say wow if you just take it because you're not in right standing with God and you just take it flippantly. It's no big deal. It's just communion. I'll do it so I don't look bad just sitting there and everybody else in the row got up and left. That's when you could bring sickness and disease back on yourself. You just got up and did it so you could look good. In some translations of the Bible, it's not only that you may be weak or ill or some have died. It says you may bring damnation back upon yourself. Okay? Some churches teach that if you're not in a right relationship with God, don't even think about going to the communion table. I would tell you that's where you need to be. Absolutely. You need to be there. If you're going to have me over to dinner, or let, I'll reverse that. If I'm having you over to dinner, I, you know, I'm going to clean house all day. I'll probably clean places you're not even going to see anyway. Everything is going to be right. I will fix you the best meal that I can. I do a really nice roast with potatoes, cooked carrots. We'll have fresh bread. The table will be set really nice, you know, because I want you to come in and I want you to enjoy this meal. After that meal, we'll, you know, or during that meal, we'll sit, we'll visit, we'll talk about anything you want to talk about, and, and then... If we haven't talked too much, maybe we'll play a game. We're going to have a good time, okay, because I want to bless you. That's my heart. I want to bless you. It is the same way at this communion table that Jesus has prepared for you. He wants you to come. He wants you to sit down. Let's talk about it. 
Let's enjoy each other. Let's get to know each other a little bit better. You know, let me minister to you. Let me bless you. And we've done that. Before people leave anymore, we pray for them. We bless them as they go. That's what communion is. There is more power. There is more healing in communion than, than we realize. Every week before we get started in the healing rooms, we, our team gathers together uh, and we, we pray and we take communion because I, I believe it builds unity. I believe it gets us in the right frame of mind. I believe that, that there's power in that. And I ask the Lord, you know what, Lord? Heal us of our infirmities. Heal us. You know, I'm still wearing glasses. I'm not totally healed, you know? And, and now I've got hearing aids. You know, doesn't mean I don't pray that, you know, Lord, open my eyes and, you know, and, and, and I want to hear everything, all the ranges again. So I'm not perfect, but I, I want the Lord to heal us because if he heals us, I know that our team will give it away. And that's what we're there to do. We're there to give it away. Okay? Any questions about roadblocks? You might be able to think of roadblocks. There's probably more roadblocks than, than I listed. Let's help people receive the healing and deal with the root causes. What's the root cause? Holy Spirit, as you're praying over, this older, over the folder, Holy Spirit, what's the root cause here? What's really going on? What's the issue? You know, and let's, let's get that root and not just the top of it. Okay? Any questions? We have 15 minutes until noon. And we're going to take lunch at noon. Um, how many of here have received, uh, have given a word of knowledge? Do you know what a word of knowledge is? Good. We got three hands go up. A word of knowledge is simply a, a, a word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of information received through the Holy Spirit. It's knowledge received apart from a natural analysis or human means. The scripture reference is 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. Now we, have, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but what the Holy Spirit teaches. A Holy, the Holy Spirit can give you a revelatory word of knowledge concerning the needs or condition of a person for healing. This is an indication of God's will to heal the person or persons with that condition. Usually at the, at the time the word is given, a word of knowledge is given in a way that will build faith in the person who received the word and the person who needs the word. How does God give words of knowledge? You can feel it, see it, read it, say it, or dream it. And I, I, I do all those things. I'm a very vivid dreamer. Very detailed, colorful. Dream every night. Um, not all of them are spiritual, but I have a tremendous amount of spiritual dreams. You could feel it. It'd be a sharp pain in your body. It could be a throbbing, an itching, or another strong sensation that you were not aware of before, an emotion like fear or panic or anxiousness. You may see it. You may get a mental picture of a body part, 
a leg, a hand, or a knee. Uh, you may see, get a picture of a person uh, with a cane or in a wheelchair or a crutch, a person with a limp. You might get a particular condition that only the Holy Spirit has told you. And if that's the case, then ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do I share this? You may read it. In your mind, you may see a written word on or above the person. It could be written on the wall or floor. It might look like a banner or newspaper headline. You could say it. And this is the two that I would fall into. You would pray for a person with one condition and your thoughts and words go in a totally different direction. You were not planning. For example, you start praying for a person's knees and out of nowhere you start praying for their heart or their past. Vivid dreams of someone with a health problem. You dream of being in a certain place, taking, talking to the person, praying with a person. It could play out like a movie. It could be about you, a friend or a family member or a total stranger. You can get words of knowledge anywhere. Anywhere. Family, friends, acquaintance, people you have not even met yet at any time, day or night, anywhere, home, school, work, church, or in the car. It may come to you differently. It may seem vague and unclear to you, but it, it's not meant for you. It's meant for the person to receive it. Okay? Okay. There's a difference between a word of knowledge and a prophetic word. Okay? Um, a word of knowledge is like that says. It's about a condition. A prophetic word would be, it could be an event or a series of events. It's a different type of a deal. Uh, how many in this room have given a word of knowledge before? Quite a few now. <laughs> Where were you last time I asked? Okay, we're going to do something real quick right before lunch. I, be, uh, I want the Lord to give you a word of knowledge for somebody in this room. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to take a minute. And then if you have a word of knowledge specifically for somebody, then we're going to give that word of knowledge. Okay? This may be risky to you. This may be stretching you out of your comfort zone. But that's okay. Nobody here is going to throw rocks at you. All right? Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you do speak to us, and we hear you all the time if we take the time to listen. And Lord, I ask, Father, that you would release words of knowledge into this group right now for conditions for healing and for blessing. Lord, that they would be very specific and very accurate. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Who has a word of knowledge for somebody in this room? I'm surprised. Go ahead. Okay. So this is for me. It's for my husband. And I saw the Lord above the 
Okay. Prophetic or word of knowledge? Okay. Does anybody have a word of knowledge? Sherry. Okay. Does anybody have that? Lower back pain? Temples? Headache? Okay. Would you pray for that lady, please? Anybody have lower back pain? Get out of it. Really? Okay. You wanna would you wanna go back and 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 pray with them? That's a word of knowledge. Anybody is there another word of knowledge? Yes, Jill. Okay. Okay. Somebody in here is on the verge of making a big decision and it could go either way. You too? Okay, Jill, would you uh, come pray for this amazing couple? Now, we pray over the folders when you come into the healing room, and there's a lot of times that I don't get anything. And so, like I said, I start specifically asking the Lord, show me a body part. Show me a body part, Lord. And, and sometimes he shows me, or, or just a body part will come into my mind. Foot. That's all it is, foot. And so we're praying, and we're interviewing the people, and, and so it's like, you know, what they wanted prayer for has nothing to do with, with what, you know, with their foot they came in but i will still ask them by the way do you have a problem with your foot well yeah i do you know i you know and so well, why didn't you write it down so it's you know the lord wants to minister to her foot as well as everything else that's gone on that would be a word of knowledge headaches back aches um it could be it could be uh, one of the stories that i heard one time was a guy was in a training group up in Spokane, and he got this word that um, he was supposed to tell this woman that she had a beautiful yellow blouse on. It has nothing to do with healing. And he goes, Lord, I'm not going to do that. And he goes, that just would be kind of creepy. And no, you need to tell this lady that. And he goes, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Finally, they get done teaching on, on words of knowledge, and they're down, but the Lord has not let him go on this and so he raises his hand and and they call on him and he goes i've got a word of you that i just have got to share the the lord won't leave me alone and it's like okay go ahead and do it and he gets up and he looks at this lady and he goes you have a beautiful yellow blouse on and he sits down and this woman just busts down and crying you know she just bawling weeping just the whole thing and 
once she finally collected herself, because the whole class is wondering, well, what just happened? I mean, it was a pretty yellow blouse. There's nothing to cry about. But what had happened was she got up that morning, she'd been contemplating suicide, and she put a fleece out before the Lord. If somebody doesn't say something about my yellow top, when I come home, I'm done. And this guy stood up, you know, didn't want to, took all, all the courage he could and said, you have a beautiful yellow blouse on, which means, you know what? God is right in the middle of her stuff. He knows what's going on. He knows what she needs. He touched her right there. We had, a, in, one of, our, in one, one of our rooms one night I was there, the, the woman gets a word of knowledge, chocolate pudding. And it's like, really? Chocolate pudding? Like, okay. And this, we were fairly new. We were, it was a couple first years or two. So I said, to, I said to this lady, I said, I got to ask you this. We were praying over your folder, and, and this lady got chocolate pudding. Does that mean anything to you? And she just went off. Chocolate pudding. My husband loves chocolate pudding. He has to, I have to have chocolate pudding in the house all the time. He eats chocolate pudding all the time. He would rather eat chocolate pudding than anything else in the world. He's a chocolate pudding fanatic. Well, she was in our room for their marriage, and he was upstairs in a room for their marriage. And, and what does that all mean? It means God knows exactly what's going on in that house and exactly what they need, and he chose the words chocolate pudding to make the connection. And the light bulb went on for this lady, and it just, she started looking at things in a whole different level. Another one, uh, a year or so later, was the word corn, C-O-R-N. And I'm thinking to myself, Hey, I went with chocolate pudding. I'm going with corn. <laughs> this lady came in for TMJ and a problem with her shoulder. She was looking at rotator cuff surgery. And um, I said, I know this sounds bizarre, but does the word corn mean anything to you? And she says, I can't eat corn. I go, you can't eat corn? She goes, no, I'm allergic to corn. She goes, I just, I just get real sick. I can't eat corn. And I go, well, that's not right. That would be like not being able to eat pizza. That's just wrong. And so I said, let's pray about that. And so as I'm praying for this, Lord, help her body to be able to eat corn, that her body wouldn't reject corn. Reject was the key word. Lord, let her not be rejected. And this lady just broke down. And she said that she was rejected by her biological father and abused. And she was rejected and abused by her stepfather and that rejection was the issue it was not corn but it was a spirit of rejection that had all come from the word corn that you're praying and you're listening at the same time what goes on okay anybody else have a word of knowledge anybody have heart problems Oh, jeez. Heart, heart problems. There's a lady sitting on the back row named Betty. If you would go pray for her. You have high blood pressure? Yeah, I've been diagnosed. I don't, but I think they've Oh, okay. I have high blood pressure. I'm told I, I'm on high blood pressure. I didn't bring that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'll have you pray for me in just a minute. What I want to do... Um, 
a good portion of our team is here. Praise the Lord. And so what we want to do is we want to minister um, to everybody here that wants ministry. Okay? And um, I'm going to need a pencil and uh, some paper that I can tear up. What I want to do is I want to give you a number. Because uh, if we stopped to minister to all of you, it would take the rest of the day. And since we're recording this, you can get the recording. But what I want to do is I want to, we'll rotate people in and out. And it looks to me like we have enough to do a couple of teams. Three teams? Well, we're blessed. These people are, they've been with us for a long time, and, and I love these people. These people are like family to me. And I can't tell them how much I appreciate them. And I love them for what they do and the time that they give to this ministry. And, and so um, what we want to do is we want to we give you a number. We want you to give you a piece of paper, and we're going to give you a number. And then I will have something up here, or what we'll do is maybe we'll move this, this whiteboard over a little bit, and they'll come up and they'll write the number on it. And um, when you see your number come up, You'll just get up and they will take you back to a room and they'll, they'll minister to you. Okay? How many want to do this? How many want prayer? Great. No. Okay. So anyway, it's 12 o'clock. Uh, let's take an hour for lunch. Okay? The vineyard has provided lunch for us. Are you sure you're not Baptist? <laughs> and so uh, I'm just going to write numbers down up here. You can come up and you can get a number, okay? And then when your number is called, then you can get up after lunch at 1 o'clock. They will start to minister to you. They are allowed to spend, are you listening? They are allowed to spend 12 minutes max to get through everybody. Or you're spending the night in our hotel room with Janet and I. And then you may need prayer again. It's a nice room. Okay. So Father, I thank you for what you did today. I thank you for what you're doing today. I thank you for everything you've done and everything you're going to do. And Lord, I just bless this time of ministry that's coming up. I bless the lunch that we are going to have. I ask that you'd bless the people that prepared it. That you would nourish, uh, bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. Lord, that you would bless our time of fellowship. In Jesus' name. Amen. So here's all these numbers up here. Come and get them.